Hey girl, hey! It's another episode of the Selby is Godcast. Zach Meisel here, alongside my partner in crime, TJ Zuppi. What's up, TJ? I told you, you know, you weren't supposed to bring up the crime part. Like, that was supposed to be just between us. We have such rap sheets. <laughs> so, if you could just quietly edit that out and pretend it never happened. Have you ever committed a crime? Yeah, I have. Absolutely. Like, legitimately. I've, I went to jail. What? Yeah, I went to jail. Are we doing this right now? I went to jail for about an hour. Go on. I was driving with a suspended license and didn't know it. Wow. Yeah. I had a, I got pulled over, um, and I was driving somebody else's car, so I showed them their insurance, but they, they needed... I'm sorry. We didn't know where their insurance was in their car that I was driving. So when they pulled me over... I said, I don't know. I, I, I don't have the insurance for this one. It was a mix-up. He said, okay, when you pay the ticket, show them your insurance, and then everything will be fine. So I thought, show them my insurance. So I went and in person, paid the ticket, brought my insurance. What I didn't know is I needed to prove that the car I was driving was insured. So then they sent a letter to an old address of mine where I was living in college, but I was no longer there anymore. So I had no idea that my license had been suspended. So then flash forward like a year, uh, in my neighborhood, I get pulled over for, ro- for rolling through a stop sign. And this is a place where there is no street on the other end. It's like a cul-de-sac that also had a road coming in. So there is literally nobody coming from the left. So late at night, I roll through there, take a quick glance. No one's coming. Keep going. So he pulls me over for rolling through the stop sign. He comes back to the car and says, did you know you have a suspended license? And I said, no. And they put me in the back of a cruiser in handcuffs and took me to jail. I can't believe the athletic hired you. I know, right? Isn't it crazy? What was jail like? Uh, I was in a cell all by myself. Was it rough? It was pretty rough. Uh, you know, I was thinking about all the, the things outside. they say. Did you drop the soap? You know, <laughs> you know, it's once you come back outside, it's like weird to readjust back to life after you've been in jail for so long. Uh, did you know it was only going to be an hour, or did you like? Are you sitting there thinking like, "Oh my god, I'm going to be here for five <laughs> to seven I years"? I didn't really have a uh, much of a. Uh, Anything to go off of. I mean, the only thing you see is what's on television or in a movie, so I wasn't really sure. But so, uh, so my but sister it, it did get thrown out in court. I just want to say, okay, I, I went to court later That's on. That's what they all say. And must have had a good lawyer. Yeah, it was really good. It was such a good lawyer. My sister-in-law is like the most harmless person on earth. Um, she's very nice by the book, like adheres to all the rules, and she was driving downtown. Um, when my wife and I at the time lived lived downtown and she was on the phone talking to her friend to find directions to where she was supposed to park and she like turned made a left hand turn out of a lane that was supposed to go straight um, and she said it was kind of not it was unclear so she got pulled over the cop was super mean to her and I wonder if she'll care that I'm telling the story. Oh, well. Anyway, so she paid this exorbitant ticket, and then they screwed up. uh, I guess she had to, like, go to court, too, or something like that. And they screwed up the court date. So they thought she missed her court date when, in fact, it wasn't for another couple months because they couldn't read the handwriting on the ticket. And so she was, like, wanted. And there was a warrant out for her arrest, (laughs) I guess, if she got pulled over or something. And she's, like, never harmed a fly in her life. And it's just, we always tell this story because she was a wanted criminal at one point. 
Uh, the the funniest part about it now is because it happened to my ex girlfriend, and this it's funnier than now that it happens to an ex girlfriend. They made her walk. This happened in my neighborhood, like uh, less than like a quarter of a mile away from my house in our back in our allotment that this happened with the car. So they my house like you could see my house from the bottom of the hill. They towed my car to the impound lot. When it was literally just up the, the hill, like my girlfriend could have just dro- driven it home. No, the, instead, they, uh, what's up, Steve Herrick? Stopping by back in our back of our podcast room. They made her walk all the way uphill. They didn't I didn't give know her people actually used this room, by the way. But yeah, I don't think he uses it for what it's supposed to be used anyway, for. Anyway, that seems Steve very. Steve Herrick from the Associated Press. <laughs> that seems very inefficient. Uh, the room or what the cops both uh, yeah so in any case that was the the time I went to uh, jail all right so let's talk baseball uh, no segue needed uh, the Indians have five all-stars I, like I'm literally we're not even gonna have some clever segue or anything we're just completely ignoring that we spent the first five minutes of this podcast talking about true crime Uh the Indians have five all-stars. That's as many as any other team right now before we have all these replacements and injuries. and uh, So all's great, right? Yay, five all-stars. That's awesome. Super impressive. It's the back-to-back years they've had five. Before last year, first time was since 2004 when it was Matt Lawton and Jake Westbrook and Victor Martinez and Travis Hafner and... No, the not, beginning not of Hafner. Dynasty. Not Hafner. Grady Sizemore. Right? No. Who's 04? Lawton, Belliard, Victor, Victor CeCe, and Westbrook. Yes. Okay. This group's a little more impressive. A little bit. I mean, In my have, opinion. You have two of the top five, top four position players in baseball right Are now you represented? In terms of like the statistical leaderboard or just like your opinion, they have they are two of the top four. They play like it this year. I mean, if you're just looking at wins above replacement, you have two of the top, certainly a top five. Who uh, else is position in there? Players Trout, in baseball. Mookie, Trout, yeah, Mookie, and I mean they're all in the American League, which is kind of crazy. If you look at the National, <laughs> for a while it was like the it's lead, like the, Eastern the lead that Trout had on the next best player was better than the top WAR in the National League. Huh. Uh, it was pretty ridiculous, and that gap is now closed, and, like, Nolan Arenado is playing really well. Um, yeah, I mean... Do, like, do fans realize this? Like, you have two of the top five players in the game. I think, and that doesn't even take into account you probably have two of the top ten pitchers in the game. I think I think there's a beginning of a realization out there about that. But they also look at the standings and say that's fine and dandy and that you have all these talented players and you have two of the the top whatever you want to say pitchers pitching like now right now in in baseball and Bauer and and Kluber and Clevenger's not far behind and Carrasco might be there if he didn't get hurt Um, but the fans look at what the standings say and it's not overly impressive so they wonder where's the disconnect so does that tell you that it's a top heavy roster and that while they have all this star power they need a lot of guys to do the dirty work, per se? I, mean, yeah, I guess you're looking at like an NBA team. <laughs> you need all the little things to be done? Yeah, they need some guys who can rebound and make their free throws and <laughs> hustle. Come in and, and give three hard fouls yeah. randomly. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it, doesn't that reinforce what we've kind of talked about on this podcast a lot? I mean, that's, yeah. that's generally what I think Five All-Stars says about this roster. Um, and it's, it's why 
even though we we probably take more of a cynical view than we should, um, the glass is more likely to be half full because you have the players that they have are the players that are hard to get. Yeah. Like it's it's legitimately difficult to get players that play like Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, pitch like Trevor Bauer has um, consistently. Corey Kluber now for three, four, five years pitching like this. I mean, it, it's really ridiculously hard to procure those players. It's a lot easier, particularly now in baseball, to go get the reliever that you need at the deadline or to go out and get a uh, uh, platoon right fielder. I mean, those guys are the easier players to get. So while this roster is flawed. There's no doubt about it. And we talk about it every single week. All the flaws in this roster. Hey, did you know they need bullpen help? Uh, I was told that they might. Those are also things that are very, I think, very easily fixed. Well, right. Heading like, into the postseason. I mean, look at the Brewers. They've had a really nice start. It's impressive. What's the one thing they need here at the deadline? It's an ace. An ace. Starting pitching. And, yeah, maybe you can go get Jacob DeGrom, but that's going to cost you a ton. Yeah. And that's really hard to do. So you're right. I mean, if, if you're dreaming up, and I've, I've been saying this for years now, if you're dreaming up how to build a team on a lower budget, the Indians have done that perfectly. Now, they've had plenty of luck because no one knew Corey Kluber was going to blossom into a two-plus time Cy Young Award winner. No one knew that. No one else. I don't know how many teams that have had the patience that the Indians had with Carlos Carrasco to let him turn things around. Yeah. And in um, fairness, they probably don't have any other choice. Yeah. They have to be patient. Sure. But uh, we've also seen lower payroll or crappier teams still not had that that long of a leash. Um, I think there, there's some luck involved with how Jose Ramirez has developed. There's some luck involved in uh, Trevor Bauer and, and, and more patience with Trevor Bauer and, and letting him work through things and, and figure things out. So it, it's not saying that this is all they stumbled into this. I mean, their player development department is really strong and that's a key their drafting's gotten better they're uh just at the major league level having terry francona in place and having a good coaching staff and and just a good environment obviously helps you prosper but uh they have done when you think about the foundation of this team it's it's the rotation and it's the rotation that's signed here for at least everyone is here through 2020 and so that's what that's what automatically makes them a contender for october Right. And that's why people, they were the trendy pick in 14 and 15, and uh, they finally gave that some merit in 16 and in 17 and, and now here. So it's, it's you're right. They've, they've taken the toughest positions on the board, and they have stars there for under market value, and it's just a matter of, of rounding out that roster. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the what they need, I know your philosophy kind of applies to this, where you, you might have Fs in position, where if you just upgraded them to Cs, if yeah. you're thinking about the A through F system, how much better does that make your team? I mean, if you if you take Manny Machado and put him on the Indians, obviously, much better team. You're you're drastically improving a position that is a negative right now, putting Ramirez at second and upgrading the defense there, and then putting another Gold Glove caliber player at third, and a guy that's been one of the best position players in baseball this year and has consistently now for several years. I mean, that's that's obviously a huge upgrade. Do you need to do that? I, I mean, we've talked about it many times before. I don't think you need to do that. I think that's more of a luxury. If you did it, it's fantastic. And if it didn't take top prospects to do it, of course you'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. But what's the what's the value that when you already have the core guys in place that are just terrific and you take a league average center fielder and drop them in there, what does that do for the rest of the team? What does that do if you take a league average um, second baseman and plug him in for where Kipnis has been 
to this point a negative has taken away value um, I think that's a huge upgrade so I mean you're you're talking about positions where yes they in some ways they've been kind of a, a black hole so to speak but the difference between that and then just upgrading it a little bit plugging in guys that are probably aren't going to cost you a ton um, I think that value is is tremendous for for this team, and I know well you know, it costs you less to turn an well, F into right, a C right, than right. a C into an A. Right, right. I mean, even a B into an A. I mean, when you're up up at the top of the 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 upper echelon, it takes a lot to raise the floor, to raise the ceiling. You know that that drastically when you already have good players. But I mean, if you have guys that just have not performed, and you take you know, who whoever you want to talk about, even if you take like. As we talked about in Diamond Dialogue, if you take Curtis Granderson and drop him in right field, and then he's hitting you know thirty percent more, you know creating thirty percent more runs than the league average, dropping that in right field and then pairing that with Brandon Geyer certainly looks a lot better. Um, well, I, I consider Sunday's lineup. Okay, I know it was against a lefty. You had Geyer hitting fifth, Rajay Davis hitting sixth, Roberto Perez hitting seventh, Eric Gonzalez hitting eighth, and Greg Allen hitting ninth. And I know that would look a little different. Come playoff time, because you probably wouldn't platoon Kipnis, you wouldn't platoon Alonzo, I guess. But, like, it's not that much better. And that's what you're dealing with. And I think you're right. Taking some of those Fs in that lineup and turning them into Cs would help you. Uh, and the, the biggest problem with Machado, aside from the fact that, of course, they don't want to part with a top prospect for a rental. I've been preaching this for months now. And it's... Amazing that some uh, whatever some people see the sexy name and, and it's they can't get off of it. It's it's the same thing with you know people want the Cavs to trade their first round pick for DeAndre Jordan and maybe it would have made sense, maybe it wouldn't have, but it like people cling to that because you've heard of the name and you've you've seen their numbers. Uh, right, it, I mean that is important too. Yeah, yeah, but but so if you if you did the Machado trade. That critically hamstrings you from accomplishing the other things you still have to, mm-hmm. to fix. You know, it doesn't fix your outfield. You're going to put Kipnis in the outfield. Then is that going right. to change much putting, putting or anything? In, in right field, where that arm seriously doesn't. In another position, he just never played. Uh, or are you putting him back in center field, where we saw last year, it, it was okay at best. Um, and if you're not getting the offensive value, then plug in somebody that at least right. knows. The position and is is very familiar with it, and it does nothing to fix the bullpen. And you just took away your best. You know, if it's Mejia for Machado, let's say, well, then you just took away your best chip that can get you a reliever who's tied down for multiple years. So then, any reliever you're going to acquire, you're probably just going to get a rental. And then you reach the off season, and then hopefully it works out, and you won the World Series, and then who cares? And you can, you know, try to patch those holes with the extra revenue that you you got from your World Series run, but. More likely, it's not going to just automatically get you a World Series championship, and you're going to have to plug in many holes in that bullpen that no longer has Cody Allen or Andrew Miller. You're going to have to replace Michael Brantley. You don't have Mejia to maybe replace Brantley, or maybe a trade Gomes and Mejia's your like. It just completely. Then you have nothing, and so I think I, I don't even remember how we got onto this topic. Topic, but like, what you you can't Story just of my life. You can't like. They have holes that they have to fill, and I just the Machado thing is so far down on that that priority list. And he'd be great, and he'd make your lineup insanely good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also wouldn't, you know, 
Then it would look really good one through five instead of one through four, and six through nine would still look would, terrible. Would this would this make not more sense, but just would this be easier to forecast if it were any other team than the Orioles? I I, I don't know. I don't have a friggin' clue what the Orioles are motivated by because they don't. They're just not run like anybody else. I mean, any other team would have dealt Machado ages ago. Yeah, would have looked at the value at least a year ago and and look and, and like every day that you hold on to this guy, he's dropping in value. And, and the teams out there are just not going to pay supremely talented prospects because the motivation is just not there for a guy that's only going to be around for two months. And, you know, there's zero chance of you resigning him. And then once you trade for him, you no longer get a chance to get any compensation for him. So you're just putting all the eggs in the basket of, I hope this works for us. And if it doesn't, then we're screwed. And I, I look at, like, the Diamondbacks probably would be more motivated. Maybe Milwaukee would be more motivated. It just doesn't... It just doesn't align right. For those the are Indians. yeah. Those are also teams that need victories now, and right. they need improvements right, right, now. Right. And the Indians don't. I mean, they need improvements, but whether those improvements come on July twelfth or July thirty first or August thirty first, it's about October. And those teams are just trying to scrap and claw to get to October. So it, it's. I mean, we. I feel like we've repeated ourselves so many times over the last couple of months, and I mean, even back to the off season, it's like we knew this division wasn't going to be, wasn't going to be a, a crazy race here, and it's not, and it's over. The Twins are done. Stop arguing that they should buy or whatever else I saw on Twitter. Um, I, I think the Indians have to look at this differently than any other team, and and honestly, the one thing that. And we can talk about Mejia a little bit here, but I, I mean, I've, I've been vouching for him to come up and play outfield because whether he wants to or the team wants him to or nobody wants him to, I really think it would behoove everybody and it, they need to take advantage of their situation. It is so rare for a team to know in July that it's going to be there in October yeah. because their division is so bad. That they can get looks at something like why is Yandy Diaz still in AAA putting up a 4.30 on base percentage? Yeah. Francisco Mejia, who hit 4.55 in June, like he he should be up here. The Royals are just as bad as some of his AAA competition. So don't tell me that. Oh well, what if he screws up in a big league game? It's like who cares? They can overcome that when they face Kansas City and Detroit and Minnesota and Chicago 76 times a year. I mean, it's yeah, it's. I mean, I would take the risk. I mean, there's risk there for sure. Of course, and I'll not only that, but, but you you get closer. And and I was advocating for this a week or two ago. And at that point, you call him up at the beginning of July. You have a month to figure out: Is this kid going to help us in October? And then maybe you don't need to trade for an outfielder. And then maybe you can go get Machado. Or maybe you go and, and pay more for more bullpen help. But instead, you delay this. You, you're wishy-washy about it. You, you kind of give this unclear message to the media, which is intentional, knowing he is going to see it or hear about it or his camp will. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, then now you've kind of – cornered yourself and you have to go get an outfielder and you you yeah. can't count on Mejia and you, and you don't know if you give yourself less of a a full view of, of how he can help you this year and I think it's I think that's a mistake yeah I mean you're right about the benefits because now you can go into this deadline not thinking about what helps us win the division it's what helps us win a playoff series and that's where uh, a bullpen arm or two bullpen arms 
can be just as valuable, if not more valuable, than a position player. Over a long season, of course, a position player is going to get more at-bats, more chances to impact a game than a guy that just pitches one inning, and at the end of the year, you look up, he's got 75 to 80 innings. But in the playoffs, when you can strategically pick where your bullpen guys are and know that they might come into a situation with guys on second and third and one out in the sixth inning when you're already trying to shorten the game as is, you're creating really high leverage spots where a really good reliever is going to to have a significant impact on that particular game. As opposed to a position player where you pray one of their four plate appearances comes up with guys on base or that he hits a a slugs a solo homer or makes a terrific defensive play. That's not saying that those things aren't impactful and aren't valuable and can't change a game. Of course, superstar players can change a game. We saw in, in even in last year's playoffs, you know, one swing of the bat from Francisco Lindor at the right time changed game two of the ALDS and, and then ultimately helped them go out and win that game. But what helps me win in the playoffs, and to me it's how do I shorten the game? And they don't have enough guys capable right now of shortening the game. That's why you know, you look at this roster, you have Everything you need starting pitching-wise, and thank God for that because, what, are you going to trade for Jay Happ? Are you going to trade for Cole Hamels? Or, or hope that you're going to be able to pay the, the sun, moon, and stars for Jacob deGrom? No, you, that's not an ideal situation to be in. And then you have, you have the, the top-heavy part of the lineup that you feel really good about. Now you can just take these little pieces parts and upgrade your roster in other places and, and not feel like you have to cripple yourself for the long term. Because as you said, this roster beyond this year, there's going to be some holes to fill that some of these internal guys can help. Well, and relievers can pitch every day in the postseason because they're off days. And so every travel day is, is critical. I mean, we not just every day, but they can pitch multiple yeah. multiple uh, innings. I remember when, when Carrasco and Salazar got hurt and the Indians were trying out these bullpen days and we were like, well, I mean, this is this is nice, but it, you know, can it really work? And it's what like, what is this shit? Is this spring training? Yeah, but it can work if you have the right personnel because Andrew Miller can throw 30 pitches one day, 20 pitches the next and then get his off day and then come back and throw 20. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's possible to make it work. Um, it's not ideally where you want to no. be because we saw as you got to game seven, all those guys are out of gas. But. And the Indians have the rotation to not have to do that. But you need more options. I mean, you still have only two relievers you feel comfortable with. And one of those is still working his way back from injury. Right. And it's. I think it's unfair to just, hey, Neil, go out and throw 17 scoreless appearances again. And if you screw up one time, then oh right. well, well, God, you know what happened? Well, it it it's Neil Ramirez who's not expected to be here, and everything you've got so far is found money. I mean, it's it's the twenty dollar bill in the pocket syndrome. You know, Oliver Perez, God bless him, has been phenomenal since they went out and got him. Are you going to expect that that's going to continue? Or Mark Sapchinski is going to be able to limit his walks and get lefties out? Or Tyler Olson is going to come back from the disabled list and be as good as he was last year? I just Any one of those things could happen. Neil Ramirez could get back on a run. All those things can happen. I just want to prepare myself as best I can. And I feel like if I can go out and use the assets that I have and not feel like I have to pay the, my top prospects to go out and fix the problems that are there, that's the course of action that I want to go down because you do have five all-stars on this team and because you have those guys that are already in place that are going to help you win playoff games. So, yeah. Do you have any uh, trade ideas then if you don't want Machado? I was thinking about it. 
let's say, you know, because we, we're just trying to keep our head on our shoulders here and being smart about it, just being very calculated. What if we just threw all that shit out? Like, just forget all that. Let's just be crazy. Let's just talk insane ideas. And I was just trying to think of other Machado, other ways that Machado would make sense. And throwing Chris Davis in the deal is not one of them. Uh, I'd rather go to jail. (laughs) For more than an hour? What if the Orioles said, you can have Machado, and... We will take Jason Kipnis off your hands, but you have to give us Francisco Mejia. Would you be so more Mejia willing, and Kipnis for Machado? Would you be more willing to part with Mejia for a rental if it also freed you up from Kipnis's salary next year? So I think salary is part of the issue here too. Uh, I think there's so many things working against this, and I know I'll probably look stupid. They'll get Machado for like Willie Castro, and that'll be that. Um, but they know taking on Machado's contract, which what's he making like sixteen million or something like that? Yeah, and so you taking on a little less than half of that. It's not so much that like they can't add six seven million. It's more so that if they take on six seven million, they can't take on anything else. Yeah. And again, Machado can't be the only move they make. Uh, I that's interesting it would free up 14 million that Kipnis is going to make next year yeah that helps you out next year to go out and try to help the bullpen helps you with the bullpen but it doesn't help years beyond that okay and like but we're still negotiating here so I'm I'm definitely intrigued if I had if I was going to trade Mejia for Machado Kipnis would have to be involved alright so now sitting here as the Orioles I'm, I'm hearing that and I'm going okay so I, I've got you at least thinking about it. Something you were ready to just walk away from. I don't like this face-to-face. I'm much better making trades behind my computer <laughs> where I can just fire off right, passive-aggressive I'm, I'm one-liners. Throw, I'm going to throw in a reliever. Oh. I'm going to throw in uh, Brad Brock. Or I'm going to throw in uh, Zach Britton. He's com- I'm telling you right he's now, not, he's Is he even good? He's healthy, man. I'm telling you. Zach Britton's healthy. Zach Britton and Manny Machado. Mejia, Kipnis, and give me, like, Bobby Bradley. Uh, why? I want a little something extra. Yeah, but when we're rebuilding in like 2021, he's gonna put up 30 home runs with a like 280. But that's when base. you're rebuilding. Are you trying to win a championship? Do you want to win a championship? I'm freeing up your money next year. I'm so giving Machado you a reliever. I'm helping Britain, you fix two things. Can you give me a second reliever? No, you're only gonna get one. What if I change Bobby Bradley to Yu Chang? That's somewhat interesting, but I I still think we're only gonna trade. One of our two relievers here in this scenario. So Machado and Britain. Yes. For Mejia, Kipnis, and Bradley. Yes. That is tempting. You, I got other GMs on the line here. They need to know what's going on. I'm, I'm getting ready to. You're, to you're breaking him. up. You're breaking up. I'm I can't ready to send him. Can't to hear you. Just just text me. Text me. <laughs> uh, so the Indians really wanted Zach Britton last year. They did. And I heard that the Orioles kind of played hard to get. I'm shocked, which is by the way. I'm sure that's Just shocked. completely shocked based on everything that, you know, we Like the Indians did. were ready to give them what they wanted and the Orioles just like stopped returning their calls. That would, Was that like making a trade with Ryan Lewis in Hardball Dynasty? Yeah, or Travis Sawchuk or so many other people. Uh, Three, so, 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 two, one. I don't see. I just. Tell me what the deal is. I really want Mejia to be my left fielder next year. 
What if he doesn't want to be your left fielder? I don't know that I'm buying all that. What if he's just completely... I think it, it makes... When has Terry Francona ever trashed a player to the media? But do you think he was trashing him? Not necessarily trashing him, but certainly... Isn't he impacting his trade value? He's 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 bringing up character concerns that no one needed to know about if they exist. Why would you do that in advance of the trade deadline? I don't. As an opposing team, I do not care what you say. I I trust my evaluations on the guy. Okay. And I'm looking at him as a catcher, so I don't care about whether or not he would go play left field. You don't think that it's a little weird that he is resisting what a team wants and isn't all about winning. He could come up here right now if he just enjoyed playing the outfield. He could well, come up here and impact. Adverser, observer, I would say his his most value is as a catcher, and he wants to stay behind the plate. So I can respect him not okay, only looking but he's not going to be up here as a catcher this year. So why doesn't he come up here and help a, a playoff team and just contribute with his bat and play right field? Because he also has to think about his future value. He has to consider his long-term successes in addition to his short-term. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't buy it. I guess I just I don't buy it. And I, I, I understand all that. I don't think... It's not like, like... He's played 30 games in the outfield this year. It's not like he's... First of all, you don't just not try. I love when people are like, Oh, the Indians just don't care today. And it's like... They didn't just like sit around... Indian style before the game and like decide you know what guys maybe today we just coast like you put in when you get on the field you put in effort like there's a lot on the line there's guys know that they have to perform or that's going to hurt locked their... in as in every at bat no Probably no not. but like are you giving away some at bats by swinging at some stupid pitches but are you telling me that the 30 games Mejia's played in the outfield those days he specifically just like <laughs> spent whistling in the outfield and and like... I saw him pick up a few dandelions yeah that's I all mean, I'm saying. Uh, as someone who didn't give a shit when he played outfield in Little League, <laughs> I can tell you from experience that's no. I, I, I I'm not buying outfield. it. I don't buy all that. I loved it. I, I hated it. Fun. I have no depth perception. <laughs> all right, I have a second crazy trade offer for you. I didn't answer the first. Well, you just took too much time, and I made. I just. I, I think this Mejia thing is is. But I'm not done. Complicated, and I. We can continue talking about Mejia through the second trade of offer. Okay. All right, so the Nationals are kind of just what they are. They could just easily decide to to blow this thing up. They realize they're losing Bryce Harper at the end of the year. Why stick with this? Let's go get something now <laughs> instead of just hoping I get the right draft pick compensation, whatever. I'm going to completely blow it up. We uh, just acquired Kelvin Herrera. I think you like him. I think you would appreciate him in this situation. He's the best reliever on the market. But that's not all that we're considering giving up. Uh we know we're losing Bryce Harper at the end of the year. We are now at least thinking about moving Bryce Harper. The guy hitting like 215? <laughs> yeah, by traditional standards, not having a great year. Uh, we are thinking about moving him, uh, and we're moving Herrera. And we are, we're calling up the Indians because you guys need an outfielder. There's no doubt about it. Sure. You have some prospects that we like. You need a reliever. We have Bryce Harper, Herrera. We're willing to deal both of these guys. But we're going to need... Francisco Mejia. And we're probably going to need one of your two best pitchers in the minors. And I'm counting Tyler Bieber. McKenzie, as a <laughs> unnamed radio host said today. Well, we're going to need at least Bieber and McKenzie. One of those two. And maybe one of your further down prospects on your list. Um, 
think Nolan Jones is probably too high of an ask. But we're not somebody below that level. Uh, so we're going to need those three. And we're going to give you Bryce Harper. And we're going to uh, give you Kelvin Herrera. So this is a perfect trade. It solves the Indians' two biggest weaknesses with the two best players out there. Who From might, a rental standpoint. Yeah, the, the problem is they're both rentals. Yeah. Uh, this would give the Indians the best possible roster. That lineup would be insane. Right. I mean, you're dressed. It's, it's like doing play. the thing that you want to do with Machado, but taking a guy that actually like if Machado fits played center field, right. I might think a little differently. Uh, can Can Lindor play center field? Just put him out there. <laughs> the The issue here is that it still doesn't fit the modus operandi here. I mean, they they it. You're saying a lot of words and not giving me a lot of answers. <sighs> I really want to do that. All right. I, I don't hear, think I can. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I hear you also have a second base problem. Let's pretend for a and moment none of this is like money. We can make all this work. Uh, wait, am I? Who would, am I right now? You are. Um, I mean, who do you want to be? You're anyone with the Indians front office. Because right? having a conversation. Because me answering these questions, I'm the same person who also would have Yandy Diaz playing third. And Ramirez playing okay, second right now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but you're not doing those things. Okay. Uh, we're not doing those things. Those are things you can't do. Uh, we have a second baseman that you could have. Who? Murphy. Daniel? Yes. David? <laughs> David Murphy. Daniel Murphy. Okay. We're going to add him to the deal. How much money am I taking on? This is well, like I said. We're gonna we're gonna figure out the money. Stuff. This is like Peter Griffin and his Hinden Peter <laughs> and Peter Copter. Where are you getting all this money for this stuff? Uh, but we're gonna well we're gonna need to increase the ask on that third prospect. So now it's Mejia, McKenzie, and you're gonna need to give us uh, Willie Castro or Yu Chang. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably more inclined to do it without Murphy. So you you don't like it with Murphy. I just I can't completely delete 2019, 2020 and 21 from my contention window. Just to go I'm mean, there's no guarantee that team wins the world. I mean, look at these juggernauts that the Indians are going to face. And I'm not saying the Indians don't have the potential to be that, but like they're going to be going up against much better teams than they blew through in 2016. The Red Sox are better now than they were two years ago. The Astros are way, and Yankees are way better now than the Blue Jays were two years ago. And so, no matter what you add to this roster, it is possible that... <laughs> what a loser mentality. It is, but it's not. You, you, I mean, I hate... Do you want to win a title? Okay, you know how I operate my HBD team. I know. It's the opposite of what I'm saying right now. But... Money is no object for you in that. With this team and this situation and this division, you have to give yourself more cracks at it. I hate saying that, especially since the Yankees are probably going to sign Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and <laughs> roll out a 130-win team next year. But, like, they, the Indians, they can't. They can't just settle for rentals. They can't part with all their top prospects for rentals. They need some of those top prospects to fill these holes. All right, so... If these guys were signed for one more year... Then yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do my best. I like. How about Mejia for Adam Duvall plus Rysel Iglesias? Uh, what's that again? Mejia to Cincinnati for Adam Duvall and Rysel Iglesias. Uh, no, I'm not doing it. Why? I'm not doing it. What? Because I have this 
amazing nationals offer on the table right now. I'm doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> what about Mejia for Brad Hand? You never answered it. Uh, I've initially I said yes, I'll do it. I was slow to want to do it. I th- I think because the relief market is shaping up the way that we're seeing that it is. I think you can accomplish what you need to accomplish without giving up Francis. Yeah, Mejia. can't you call Derek Jeter and just poach a couple of their really good relievers <laughs> for like nothing? I just feel like there are so many candidates out there that you could trade for that I don't think you need to give up Francisco Mejia to do that. There also were some candidates over the winter that they could have signed. Uh, yeah. Or a couple of guys that they've you know recently had in their system out in San Diego. Craig Stammen. Kirby Yates. Yeah, Kirby. The ones that got away. All right, so since we are in... The what is it? Is it the media guide room? Yeah, at Progressive Field, across the hall from the press box, we have. I mean, this this room is actually pretty cool. There are media guides, as we we mentioned last time, from every team, from like every year. But not only that, but you just found that box back there that yeah. had all of this really old stuff. So you're seeing like 1990 Blue Jays. Yeah, so in my hand right now... I find this postseason guide from 98. I've got the 09 Rockies media guide, the 09 Mets media guide, 2010 Blue Jays, 1994 Yankees. So I just, I thought it would be fun to just flip to a page, like here's the Rockies. And I just flipped to, like Carlos Gonzalez was 23 years old then. That's not that interesting. Remember, remember Manny Corpus? I remember the name. Reliever on the Rockies. Does this have Sean Chacon? Remember him? Aaron Cook. Julius Chassin. He was in the Indian system for a minute last year, was it? Or the Is year he before? with the Brewers now? He's like their ace. That's why they need pitching. God, who's running that team? <laughs> Josh Fogg. Remember Josh Fogg? <laughs> oh, my God. That was a real person. So we got 09 Mets. This thing is giant. Are we playing just remember when? Yeah, Rob McCoyak. He was with the you know Pirates. That one time that Rob McCoyak paid, played for the Infielder Mets. Andy Green, who is now the manager of the Padres, right? Sounds about right. Um, do you think when Andy Green Nelson posed for Figueroa? when Andy Green posted for his picture in the the Mets media guide in two thousand nine, he knew he'd be trading Brad Hand to the Indians? Wow. All right, so here's one that people actually might care about. So I'm flipping through the 1998 postseason guide. For those that don't know what that is, at the end of the year, because the media guy they give us at the beginning of the year, careful with that thing. That thing is aging. 1994 Yankees. Jim Abbott's no-hitter. Remember that? Wow. All right, so they, they put together these guides at the end of the year because the ones at the beginning of the year that they put together are obviously obsolete now. And there's new players added. So they give us a guide at the end of the year to help us out. If you're looking for quick notes or anything, you can find it in the postseason guide. There's one from 1998. So I flipped it open to a random page, and I found a player. Is this the random Indian of the podcast? It is. Okay, I see Uh, Paul Shuey's name. So it's not Paul Shuey. On the back. He's not quite random enough. Did Uh, you know Paul Shuey? They took him instead of Derek Jeter, right? Paul Shuey was pitching when Kenny Lofton robbed B.J. Surhoff of that home run. Oh, yeah, in 96, right. his famous sketch. Um, Lawson could have just saved a few more home runs from Shuey that probably would have helped his career a little bit. Uh, this player was on the 1998 team, however, never appeared in a game. Huh? He was on the 1998 roster, but he never appeared in a game for the Indians. And he. Like never ever or never that year? He, n- not that year. Okay. Um. So, but he's in the 1998 postseason guide. Kind of confused as to why that would have happened, but okay. Uh, 
in his career, he he was very prominent for the Cincinnati Reds. Is this John Smiley? It is John Smiley. Okay. It makes sense now. I thought he never pitched for the Indians. Not 1998. They acquired him in 1997. Oh, that's why. Okay. And then, warming up in the bullpen, he broke the humerus bone in his arm. While Not very funny. Warming up for a start. Uh, and never pitched in another game ever again. So, did not play for the Indians in 1998. However, John Smiley, who was traded to the Cincinnati Reds for... Traded, sorry, from the Cincinnati Reds for... Can you give me the date of the trade? Acquired July 31st, 1997 from the Cincinnati Reds. David Weathers? David Weathers is not correct. Okay, hold on. Danny Graves? The Indians traded four players to the Reds for John Smiley and Jeff Branson. One of them is Danny Graves. Do I know any of the other three? Uh, you would have probably know one of them. I don't know. Hit me. Damian Jackson. Uh, Jim Crowell. Oh, yeah. And Scott Winchester. Okay. Huh. John Smiley. So what was... David Weathers was traded between those teams at some yeah, point. I don't remember. I don't remember why. I can tease that for a future podcast. All right, but that's it. That's your random Indian of the day. All right. During so, in the 1998 postseason guide, having not appeared in a single game in 1998. So to recap this podcast, uh, we have not figured out who the Indians should trade. We don't know what the deal is with Francisco Mejia, but we learned that you went to jail. And the Indians have five All-Stars, which is not a bad thing at all. No. That's it. I think you would rather have a top-heavy roster as opposed to a bunch of really good guys without any stars. Is that is, is that a factual statement? Like 25 Josh Tomlins? 25 Josh Tomlins. Yikes. Uh, you Do can, you think to, uh, if Tomlin the pitcher right now faced Tomlin the hitter right now, what would, what be would the Tomlin slash line be? What would the result of the at-bat be? Just one at-bat? Yeah. Uh, it would certainly be a... I'd say fly out to the warning track. I was thinking fly out for sure. I was thinking medium deep left center. Okay. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and now... What? Spotify. Oh, I actually know that one. You can search Selby's Godcast and find us there. I use Spotify. Anna Bolton, the uh, Indians... Well, she was the team interpreter. Uh, Now she is doing a lot more with cultural and language development. Yep, still with the team, but just not a uh, different role. She now. turned me on to Spotify in spring training. Yeah, and now you like that's all you do is Spotify. Yeah. You are always on Spotify in your phone. I am. Uh, any parting words? No, I the you know the next couple weeks are going to be fun. I hope I hope people can I hope we've done a good enough job of explaining why it might not be the most sensible thing to just go out and get the sexiest name. But um, I, I think, I truly think, our, at least the, the people that follow us, that listen to this podcast, that interact with us on The Athletic, leave us comments, I think a good 80% of the people understand that. Okay, and I'm not saying it would be stupid to trade for them. I'm just saying there's a reason why, I mean, there are a lot of teams involved here. And if the Indians could get away with just giving up, like, not a top-tier prospect for them, well, someone could probably top that because there are other teams that are more desperate for that sort of service. 
Yeah, and I think it's about time we wrap this up before anyone else comes in, come in, comes in this room looking for any sort of service of any kind of desperation. Yeah, i got to glue this 1994 Yankees <laughs> media guide back together. <laughs> All right. Until next week, we're out. See ya.